Hey guys, it's Corey Kuhnert, the host of Wisco Legacy. Patrick Bodell joins the podcast today to talk about the journey that led him to starting Synchronous Communications. Synchronous is a marketing agency right here in Monroe, Wisconsin. They focus on brand development, media production, and web design. Uh, Patrick has a really interesting story. He dropped out of high school. He toured in a band for a while. Uh, the things that he learned throughout that time eventually led him into the uh, marketing area. And he eventually started uh, a couple of different companies, uh, now focusing on synchronous communications. So, so much fun talking to Patrick. He's super passionate about Monroe and Greene County. He's got a lot of great ideas and desires for the area. So, uh, Patrick is just uh, one of a kind. He's he's such an awesome guy. Uh, I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Uh, little podcast update. I am now over 2,000 listens on the podcast. I'm so excited about that. I never thought I'd get there. Uh, so thank you to each and every one of you for uh, tuning into the podcast. It's been so much fun for me to do this, and I couldn't do it without the support from each and every one of you. So thank you so much. Keep tuning in. There's big things coming. Uh, next week, I have Desi Braden. He's the head football coach for Blackhawk Warren. Uh, only the third head coach in Blackhawk football history. Desi was one of the most impactful people uh, to me growing up. He was a wrestling coach uh, that I had growing up and just made such a, a big impact on my life. So it was it was great to talk to him. Uh, after that, I have a former Badger wide receiver and NFL player uh, coming on the podcast. You'll have to tune in, uh, check out my social media pages uh, to see who that is uh, coming up here soon on Wisco Legacy. So excited to get that, that episode out there too. Um, so with all that, uh, let's dive right into the episode right here with Patrick Bodell, uh, founder and president of Synchronous Communications, right here on Wisco Legacy. Hey, this is Patrick Bodell, founder of Synchronous Communications. This is my Wisco Legacy. Patrick, welcome to Wisco Legacy. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So on today's episode, I want to talk about the journey that led you to synchronous communications. So uh, we'll start off uh, when you were a kid. Uh, talk about where you grew up and, <laughs> and all that. Sure. So I'm not actually a uh, Monroe or Green County native. Um, my family moved here in the early 90s. So I would have been like, you know, in junior high. I was, I was a kid. Um, and so I, I, uh, I came from a very kind of artistic family. Um, so my, my dad's a musician. My mom's an artist. Uh, and so I always had kind of this creative Thing in my life. And I moved to Monroe. My hometown is actually Galena, Illinois. So I didn't move very far. But um, when I came to Monroe, all these opportunities uh, opened up to me, uh, ones that I'd never seen before. And uh, so I spent, you know, um, you know, my junior high and high school years here in Monroe, Wisconsin. But the, the, now one thing you don't know about my Corey is I actually didn't <clears throat> finish high school. Um, okay. And uh, so you know, I struggled. My, my parents went through divorce and, uh, and, and it, it, it had a long-term effect. So at that point, you know, my interest wasn't like academia. It wasn't, let's get at it and get a bunch of good grades and things like that. My, my interest was to cope. Uh, and so I didn't really start to get a path under my feet probably until I was in my early twenties. Um, that's when I kind of was able to put some of that stuff away and then move on to something like much greater than, you know, myself, I suppose. Uh, but it was, it was a very interesting time in life and, uh, one that definitely shaped my future for sure. Yeah, that that's really interesting. I, I didn't know that. What led uh, to you uh, not finishing high school? I I know kind of the back end divorce stuff, but sure, uh, sure. Um, okay, some you know I've 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 shared this with many people over the years, and many have said, "Well, the school system failed you." I don't agree with that necessarily that statement. Um, but uh, there are programs to help kids that are you know like struggling through school that didn't exist, you know, in the nineties. Right. Um, and so, you know, I had these skills that, um, I was very, very good at that ended up shaping who I am today. Um, if I'd been able to spend my time honing those skills, um, but you know, I mean, it got to the point where like, you know, I had, I had failed lots and lots of classes. Um, and you know, it's like, you know, getting into my second semester of my senior year of high school, and uh, like, there was no way I could graduate. Okay, none at all. And so I said, well, you know what? I'll just take a bunch of music classes. I'll just, I'll play, I'll play all day long. That's what I'll do is I'll just hone on this crap that I know I'm gonna do. 
Um, and the administration said, no, you can't do that. You got to take everything you need to graduate, which means you can't, you can't even take any of those classes. And I was like, well, I don't know if that's going to do it for me. And I, that was it. I quit right there. And so, um, from that moment, um, I don't know, it was, um, it was a matter of finding the path that's going to fit me. Now, I, I actually went off to, school, to college. I got, went and got my, you know, HSED, which, by the way, I got to tell you, um, <laughs> I got my equivalency diploma, and it was it was almost embarrassing. Um, like my friends, my family, everyone was super disappointed. Like, dude, are you seriously? Like, what are you doing here, right? But I, I go and I go to Blackhawk to go get my high school equivalency diploma, and I, I felt so bad because there were people there that were easily in their forties. I think there's a guy there was in his fifties. Um, and you know, they're, 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 you know, the, I, I, I clept out of everything. Right. So they, they, they made me, um, take a skills, like, what is that job skills training class? Basically like, this is how you go to an interview. This is how you fill out a resume, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're instructing the class to wear clean clothes and be sure and wash your hair. And, and, and there's people taking notes. Okay. Of like all the things that they need to do to prepare. And I, and I thought, Oh my God! What have I done with my life? <laughs> this is this is it, man. What have I done? Uh, and so I, I got my diploma, and then I went off to um, uh, recording arts and sciences school, which I felt at that time was perhaps a a good a good path for me to follow. Okay. Yeah. And you went up to Madison Media Institute. I did. Right? Um, or, okay. I did, which unfortunately is now defunct. Um, they mm, they lost what yeah. uh, little uh, accreditation that they had. Uh, and then since the government wasn't, wasn't able to uh, finance the students with student loans, then they lost their base. And it was very, very expensive. I mean, it was like 20 grand a year or something like that to go to that school. It was expensive. And so, um, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I didn't even finish that program because it was, it was, there were lots of like young guys, I should say young people, but mostly young guys that are there and they're just like, they're, I want to go to rock and roll school, man. I want to play rock and roll. I'll go to rock and roll school. And it, and it, and it definitely like uh, fed into that. Uh, and so I went there to refine skills that, um, I already had an interest that I had. And I, I was looking around, same thing. I was like, I, I, what have I done? <laughs> um, and so I realized that, you know, I could save a lot of money and just do this on my own. I don't need a degree. And as a matter of fact, I'll never forget my first like, you know, week of school or something. Um, the, 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 um, the instructor said, you're not going to get a, a job in this industry because you have this degree. Maybe you could like dump ashtrays or something, but it has nothing to do with it. And I thought, well, that's good. Well, what's, what's the point of me going to this school then? Anyway, right. so that was that was my academia right there in a nutshell, sadly. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So were you were you in a band or anything at that point in time? Um, yeah, I uh, I I toured uh, kind of like uh, in the region or like in the you know like the you know southern Wisconsin, northern Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, all over the area. Um, that's a, a tough life though, and that was it's interesting. It's interesting that you asked me that because um, at that time I was planning on being like a professional musician, recording engineer, record producer, uh, and so I was spending all of my time doing that. The problem is, it's a, even if you're successful doing those things, it's a super difficult life. Um, you're away all the time. You're in clubs until two or three o'clock in the morning all the time. You're driving all the time. I mean, your life is just like this all the time. And I was like, well, I, I thought to myself. Um, I, I can't raise a family and have a st stable like household in my life if I'm going to pursue this. So that's kind of when my paths deviated a little bit. And I thought, okay, how, how can I take the things that I love? I didn't, I knew I didn't want to be a music teacher. I knew I didn't want to be uh, on that side. And that's why, hence why I didn't go to four-year school because I knew it was something I didn't want to do. Uh, and, and I was debating like, what can I do with this, with, with the things that I love in my life how can I pursue this in a way that's going to actually make a living? And that's why I got into the professional side of, of um, uh, media production, which then turned into marketing. Uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Interesting path. I mean, uh, that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, living that, living that road life has to be uh, both fun, but definitely there's, there's definitely some challenges there for sure. I, I will say I, I, I played in a group. I played in like a seven piece uh, and we, we, we played all over the place. Um, for probably five years. And there were many times where uh, club owners would give us rooms that were on the facility or something like that. And, and so uh, we'd have a little party after the show or whatever. And mm -hmm. I, 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 in a very, for, very short period of time, I realized how easy it is for rock stars to trash hotel rooms. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's really like when you <laughs> see like the pictures of rock stars just trashing hotels, it doesn't take that many people to do something like that. And, and I thought, I don't know if this is the path I want to be on either. 
Uh, and so yeah, I did that honestly. Um, I, I mean, I worked I worked jobs, and you know, I, I worked in the restaurant business a lot as, as a restaurant manager. Um, and I and I basically, you know, I, I got the things that I could get out of recording school, uh, that the things that they could offer, frankly, at the time. Um, so I was able to like start a recording. Um, uh, uh, how do I want to say a recording artist lifestyle on my own? So I was like making records. Um, I started producing other people's records. And I thought, okay, this is something that I can do. This is something that I love to do. This is something that a gift that I can bring to the world around me. Maybe I'll build a studio. And I was about in my early twenties. I said, okay, I'm going to build a commercial facility. Um, and I don't have to worry about anyone else owning it. It's just going to be me, no partners, nothing like that. No financiers. Um, and I'm going to spend my time making records for people. So that's what I did. Um, like I saved every penny I could possibly find. I worked three jobs for years um, and saved up all the money that I needed to buy the gear and like get a, a facility and like remodel it. And like, I made this studio, but here's the catch, right? So I spent all this cash, spent a few years at this, right? And I finally opened the doors of the studio and I look around, I'm like, oh, hmm, what do I do now? Because I, I didn't have any clue how to run it as a business. All I knew how to do was like with a handle my craft, right? My craft of recording and music and, and production, all these things. I had no idea how to run it as a business. And that that was a side that I wish I'd actually learned. Um, I wish I'd gone to business school because I had no idea how to attract customers. I had no idea how to how to run a business, right? Yeah. Yeah. What kind of lessons did you learn in those early days of, of that? <laughs> That's a really good question. Um that's a really good question. Well, the first lesson, honestly, was that um, at that time, my goal was to work for musicians. The problem is musicians have no money. And that's that. I, I don't mean that to any, any offense to any musicians out there. I was one, uh, but they don't have the kind of resources that it takes to really do it. And that's why when, when a recording artist, band, group, whatever you want to call it, uh, they want to do something, that's why they work with a record label. Because the record label has the knowledge they have the resources and they have the business experience to actually put you in front of people. Um, but there's still a ton of work that goes into it. So I, I wish I had understood how business worked before I got into a venture like that. Cause it, right, at that point I was just kind of guessing. I knew I loved this thing and I knew I wanted to do this thing, but beyond that, I didn't, I didn't really have a clear idea of how to get there. So um, also uh, something early on that happened is that uh, you know, people had to explain basic things to me, which in hindsight seemed like no brainers, but like someone says to me, well, got a business card. I thought, Oh gee, no, I, I don't have a business card. Okay. Well, you're gonna need a business card. Okay. Well I get a business card and then, you know, a few months go by and I see the guy, same guy again. He says, well, do you have a sign? He's like, I said, no, I don't have a logo or anything. Well, okay. We'll get you a logo. And I mean, I had no understanding how to brand myself how to market myself and how to like ready myself to be out there selling something. Uh, and that was, that was a big startling fact that I hadn't even considered. I didn't understand the importance of that. And that's like business one-on-one is getting, is, is, is putting the brand on you. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, one of the, one of the challenges that you probably have in that business is you're, you're really trying to sell yourself, your skills, your business. Yeah. Um, that is challenging in and of itself. Uh, there's people that are really, really good at it. And there's people that struggle with, with that. Totally. Uh, where do you fall in that, into that spectrum or at least early on in your career? That's a good question. Um, definitely started with all craft. Um, and that's, I, I think I, I equate this to people in construction that you see it probably most often in, in construction, right? People are really good at building houses or, or putting in siding or something. Uh, and they think I'm going to, I'm going to just go out and do this myself and have no idea how to run it as a business and, and really flounder a lot, understanding how cash flow works, um, how understanding how to take care of customers under understanding scheduling, all these little things that go into running a business um, that you don't think about until it's like thrust upon you. And you have no choice, but just jump in head first and do it the best you possibly can. Um, now, what, what helped me is that I, I have uh, I've been very lucky that I've been working in this area for a long time. Uh, and I was able to meet and shake hands with a lot of people that were business owners and executives in the area. Um, I worked at the, I, I, I managed the bar at the country club uh, for many years and it, it put me in a position where I could learn a lot from people that had experience that had a vested interest in, in me succeeding. Um, and it, so the, a lot of folks kind of uh, took me under their wing and kind of explained to me things that I needed to be doing uh, in the future to be successful. Now that said, um, 
I realized that it was probably a better use of my time to work for companies than it was for individuals. That, that like I said, musicians, unfortunately, you know, most of them don't have twenty grand to throw it, you know, making a record and building a website and putting themselves out there. They don't, they don't have that kind of cash, right? And so, um, I was lucky that I was able to find companies that needed the services that I was providing. What took you from the recording studio into into the marketing side of things? How did you Got get it. there? So. Um, I realized pretty quickly that music and audio, especially in this area, in this market, was never actually going to make me a living. Um, it, it's because there's there's a few reasons. One is um, with modern technology, people can buy a computer and a microphone and an interface and call themselves a studio. Or if they want to, they can go cut their own record, which is great. That's kind of how I was able to you know get into this business is that it, the affordability. I mean, you know, it used to be, you couldn't touch a studio for less than probably half a million dollars by the time you bought, you know, mixing consoles and, and tape machines and all this microphones, you name it. It was incredibly expensive to get into that business. It's not that like that anymore. Um, if you really understand what you're doing and you have, are you're willing to put the money in to buy the gear you need, you can do it. So, um, that's at the point when I realized that, this area wasn't going to support my dream of being a music maker. Incidentally, I, I did um, corporate work. I like I wrote music for commercials and I wrote a couple small video games and some things like, like a little documentary film. Um, and, and that was, that kind of got my chops um, interested at least in, in doing like the compositional side. I never really wanted to be like a, a very, uh, an engineer for bands and stuff like that. That was never the intention. The intention was really um, composition is to be a, a music producer for corporate world, like, video games and, and, and uh, films. Right. But again, that's still a very difficult business to get into. Um, I, I had the opportunity. I went out to California, met with PlayStation and thought, okay, maybe I'll, I'll start scoring things for PlayStation. But the problem is they wanted you to live out there. Um, remote work wasn't, wasn't what it is today. And I was like, well, I don't really want to pick up and move to like LA or San Francisco. So I guess I'll just stick it out here and figure out how I can make it work. Uh, so anyway, so I went from, I had other interests that had been kind of percolating this whole time uh photography videography design web all these kind of things were all related and kind of in there uh and at that time uh i met a guy and ended up partnering partnering with him and starting empire media group uh and empire media group is actually another advertising kind of marketing agency in monroe and it 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 was a really good place for both of us at the time because I could focus on production uh and things that had to do with media and he could focus on advertising and content like that uh, and it was a great launch pad for both of us to just like excel uh, in these two things. And, and until then, um, an agency like this hadn't really existed in Monroe. There was one for a short period of time, but they didn't do like what we do at all. And so um, I went about five years with this other company. Uh, and then when it got to the point where it wasn't, uh, it wasn't fulfilling me on that level, I thought, okay, now it's time for me to do this on my own. Um, and so at that point, that's when I started Synchronous. And um, it, Interestingly, though, um, because I didn't go to school to do this and because academia wasn't my route, I had to do this all by learning, learning, learning. Uh, and, you know, the, 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 the side of academia, the, you know, the, the understanding that it's, it's supposed to teach you how to learn instead of imparting just information. A lot of people miss that, in my opinion. And so um, I had to learn because I had no choice but to learn. And so I, I, I read every book I possibly could. I, you know, I would go to, you know, uh, events i would go to you know uh, pay for master classes anything that i could to learn about this craft and bring it home and so slowly and surely i started to take this all these production elements and ideas that i had and skills and experience and then started to figure out how to turn them into like ad content and and content that could support someone else's message uh and then basically with time and you know relentless effort that's how i got there that's how you got there, huh? That's awesome. Yep. Can you talk about the, uh, you know, the community in Monroe is, uh, it's a 10,000 person town, smaller rural type community. And uh, can you talk about the community support you have for Synchronous? Uh, it's, it's pretty incredible to Thanks, me. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. Um, so uh, have you ever read Simon Sinek before? Yeah. Uh, he's a great, you know, kind of uh, leadership guru, marketing guru. He's just a really, really brilliant guy. He, he's able to take a lot of people's ideas and really uh, put them together into something a lot more comprehensive. Um, but he wrote this great book about um, Start With Why. That's the, the title of the book, Start With Why. Uh, and I read that book and it, it 
I started contemplating what is my why? Okay. At first, my why was just, you know, making pretty pictures. Okay. Making pretty beautiful stuff just because it fulfilled my soul, which is great, but that's not really a why. And, and I really had to like dig deep and to figure it out. And like, why, why am I here? What am I here to do with my life? Okay. Um, and that was right around the same time that I started getting really involved in the community and the county. And I realized, you know, um, you know, Monroe and Green County is uh, an exceptional place, um, one of a kind, as a matter of fact. It's very interesting that that the sort of things that exist here, the people, the resources, the events, that just what it is every day in this place is, is just mind-boggling to me. It's for, it's for such a small little area, right? And I thought, okay, well, if I can use my tools to better this place, that should be my purpose in life, is, is to take all these things that I love put them together and, and apply them to make Green County and Monroe a better place. Um, and, you know, no area is perfect. No community is perfect. And um, we've got a long ways to go, I, I think. But that said, um, there's a tremendous amount of talent here. There's a tremendous amount of opportunity. And people have people that have lived here for 40 years might not even realize that. Uh, it, it's absolutely extraordinary what exists here. Uh, and anyway, so that's kind of, I guess, my path to having this idea, having this thing that I loved, building a business around it, and then figuring out what the bigger purpose of that business might be. Uh, and, and, you know, he actually, Simon Sinek illustrates a great point in that um, your pursuit in life should never be about money. In other words, money should always be a result of you doing something of greatness. And uh, I, when I say greatness, what I mean is something that's fulfilling to you, fulfilling to someone else. That's greatness. Okay. Just stop right there as far as like what the greatness is. But the point here is that if money is a result and not a pursuit, we can accomplish a heck of a lot more. Right. So if I had started out in business with money as the pursuit, I never would have done anything that I've done so far because. Like, and that's, that's the, been the, the biggest struggle. I'm probably, I'm probably stumbling upon with your next question here, but my biggest struggle in, in building this in, in this area um, is what we do is not cutting edge as far as the rest of the world, but it's pretty new for this area. And a lot of people, I mean, there, there are businesses that are three or four generations old that are very successful, that have continued to be successful. They say to me, why do I need a website? Why do I need any of these other things? We're doing just fine. And they have a point. <laughs> the problem is that's how people find information. That's how people make a decision on purchasing a product. That's how, that's how we make uh, you know, assumptions about the, the things that we, you know, the, the area that we live and the things that we buy, what we do is, is we look stuff up, okay? Go to Amazon, I'm gonna buy that pair of shoes. Well, I better look at the reviews first and see what they have to say. A lot of people don't get that here. Uh, and so the other part of what I'm trying to do is educate others as to why this is really important, why you need a really clean looking brand. Why, why, why? Um, and, and I've had some resistance and I shouldn't say like resistance in a bad way. It's just, I'm not interested in what you do. Um, and sooner or later, Monroe and Green County will catch up as a whole, but it's usually about 10 or 15 years behind. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, my, my brother, uh, he runs Schooner Construction here in Monroe. He was one of my earlier guests. He, he was kind of like that too. Uh, wasn't sure if he needed a website. He had built his business on, on the swinging the hammer and getting out Which is and, great. and building shaking great hands. stuff and right, shaking right. hands, all that stuff. And, um, he's got a website now. He's got a social media presence. Uh, he has an office manager to help, help him work through that stuff. So, um, you know, he's seen big benefits already based on just just getting out there and the phone seems to be seems to ring a few few more times than it did before so it's Social interesting media presence that. is good yeah it's huge um again we make as consumers we make decisions based on that probably 90 percent of the time or more uh so I, it's interesting because i've seen your brother's content and i've seen his website and i'm aware he's doing it and there's not a lot of people in this field that are doing those sort of things so one of the biggest things I've realized is that um, even small companies are hiring some sort of marketing individual and they might not even have to be marketers per se. Like they went to college to do this thing. Their job really is to be a communicator and, and to, to communicate to a broader audience, 
what value they bring to a market. Okay. Uh, and so if you notice banks have them now, small retailers have them now. I mean, it's like marketing was something that you hired an agency to do. That was something that people never, ever did internally advertising and marketing. Psh, never, unless you're a really big company like Procter and Gamble or something. And now you're seeing like marketing positions in, in lots and lots and lots of companies, large and small, um, which I think is actually pretty cool. I, I think that's, that, that's a nod to what's going on with business. That's a nod to, you know, what our, people's expectations have changed over the years, uh, what they expect the company to provide, what a product should provide to them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I want to, I want to dive into synchronous. So we've mentioned it a few times, cool. but, but I, I want you to, to lay it all on the line. What, what kind of work <laughs> do you focus on? Uh, sure. And yeah, we'll, we'll start there. Um, so when I started synchronous, my biggest goal was to create, um, a full service, comprehensive marketing service, marketing firm, um, which is great. People say, what the heck is that? And it's interesting because if you, if you take the word marketing, you can apply it to like an endless array uh, of definitions, right? Marketing could literally be painting apples on the side of a, a, a cart and walking it into town to market that is technically marketing marketing is also you know having a bunch of people on telephones cold calling you at your home and saying hey do you want to buy at&t technically all of those services are defined as marketing that's not the sort of thing i wanted to do um the the biggest thing that i wanted to do is um create a company that built brands and identities for people okay uh so you know our three pillars are um brand development, media production, and content marketing. So I'm just going to briefly cover what those three things are and then how they kind of filter out to like what a, what a, uh, yeah. a client gets at the end. Um, so if you look at the, the term brand, brand isn't like the logo on your chest, okay? Brand is all the experiences, all the touch points that someone has with your company, your product, whatever it is. Doesn't matter if it's a service, doesn't matter if it's a tangible good. Technically, someone is going to have a perception of that uh, and our job is to make sure that they have the right perception uh, of whatever that product or service is. Uh, and you can do that through several several things. But defining what that little symbol should stand for, that's technically what branding is. So in other words, when you see the Nike emblem, we have these things in our head that are already predetermined that we think of, okay, that's what Nike stands for. And we do that with every major brand. We, we don't even think about what you think of Starbucks, Kohl's, Kmart. Like we have these... Walmart, that's a perfect example. We have these pre, uh, predestined notions of what these companies stand for and what their products are. Uh, and the reason for that is because lots of people have spent a lot of time and money making sure that you understand that. So that's brand development, okay? Mm -hmm. Media production is the side of, of building the content that supports that idea, okay? So that, in our case, is videography, uh, photography, and that could be uh, events, that can be products, that can be you name it. Uh, design, so that's graphic design, and that's in terms of uh, making uh, online content, um, printed content, anything that has a look and feel that you need to define who you are as a company. Uh, website development design, same sort of thing, only that's the online version of what that design should be. Um, side note to web development, um, there's a lot of web companies, uh, I would say majority of web companies are very good at making websites, but they're not themselves marketers. Uh, and our job is when we build a website, our job is to make sure that the website is um, geared towards uh, producing a purchasing decision. Okay. So what is it like for that customer to come to that website and experience, you know, go, geez, I guess I'll browse these products. What do I think of these products? Oh, that's great. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll put this one in my cart. All those things are, are predetermined when you build a website to make sure that whoever is, is the user of that website wants to be a part of what you're doing. Um, so that's the website of it, uh, website development side of it. Uh, the last is research. Uh, that one isn't something we get to do all that often because the market doesn't quite need it all the time. Uh, but we do a lot of consumer research with focus groups and qualitative work, including quantitative work. So that's the, the, the statistical side of, of research, which is 60% of people like grape jelly. Okay. Um, and so we have a, um, a market research guy that works with us. And if a company has a question in um, uh, market preference of a product or a service or whatever it is, uh, that's generally how we answer that question. Okay. So that is the media production side of it. And the last is content marketing. Um, are you familiar with content marketing, Corey? Yeah, somewhat. Yeah. 
for those that aren't, this is one of my favorite stories, and I tell it to many, many clients that have never heard it. Um, so content marketing is really building content in an altruistic way um, to create trust with a potential market. Okay. So what I mean by that, uh, this is a great story. Um, goes back a hundred plus years ago. Uh, John Deere, John Deere tractors, uh, created a publication in like the late 1800s called the furrow F U R R O W. Have you ever heard of it? I don't think I have. No. So it was this free quarterly publication they put out, uh, and it was designed for farmers and people in the ag business, uh, to help them determine how to plant a higher yielding crop and how to control the animals better, how to, how to understand the markets better, how to understand you know, environmental concerns better, all these things. Right. And, and John Deere created this thing and just handed it out for free. I mean, millions and millions of copies of this thing. Right. And in over a hundred years of producing this thing, guess how many times they put John Deere's name on the furrow four times, four times, four times, well. right. In a hundred years. However, huh. everyone knew that John Deere was the one responsible for producing this thing. So guess who bought John Deere tractors? Raiders of the furrow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that is the best and earliest example of what content marketing is. John Deere was never saying, Hey, we're John Deere. We're the best. You should buy from us. Uh -uh -uh -uh. They said, Hey, we're going to give you this free information. We're just here to help you. If you guys want to make a purchasing decision and come by John Deere, you can do that, but we're not going to like sell you John Deere tractors. That's not the point. And so that's kind of what the old school version of today, what modern content marketing is. Okay. So when you see um, companies doing YouTube videos on how to like fix your drywall or how to do this or how to do that, there's a reason why they do that. The, it's to build trust with you so that you'll eventually build their, uh, buy their products. Um, and so we do a ton of that kind of work. Um, and the point is not really asking for the sale, but just offering something free and to build trust. Uh, and so we do that through many, many, many digital channels, um, social media, Google, uh, YouTube, you name it. Um, we're kind of uh, uh, all over the digital uh, realm as well. I will say we do do a lot of traditional advertising as well. The problem with traditional advertising, it's um, expensive and um, it's not necessarily trackable. In other words, you can't, um, uh, you can't really determine was the cost worth the investment or not. ROI is very difficult to determine in that realm because um, uh, you have no idea how many people actually heard your radio commercial or saw your TV commercial. Um, whereas with digital content, with, with and when I say advertising, what I mean is is placing content in front of people. Um, mm -hmm. I don't necessarily mean an ad that says buy this product, but when you place content in front of people digitally, you can actually track where they were what they were doing, what they were clicking around that was nearby. You could determine all these things to, to understand the customer's journey a little better. Uh, and so uh, on a side note, these are all things that I had to learn that I didn't go to school to do. I, like I, I knew I had to do this. I knew I want to learn how to do it. So what did I do? Read, 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 practice and practice until I could figure out how to do it well. Yeah, that's that's an awesome, awesome overview of, of synchronous. And thanks, man. Uh, thanks for, yeah, thanks for diving in on, on those areas. Uh, it really helps uh, the audience here and myself uh, learn a bit more about what you do and, and, you know, brand development, content marketing and all that is, is super interesting. So uh, thanks for diving in, into that. Yeah, man. Um, My pleasure. The, uh, I want to talk about the company culture there. So I, I know you guys post uh, all some really fun stuff you do at Synchronous <laughs> and you, you like tacos and all that fun stuff <laughs> and, and all that. Um, what's, what's a com what's a company culture like over at Synchronous? That's a really good good question. Um, I'm very particular about um, who I allow in my team, and I know that sounds terrible to say something like that. What I mean is, um, I want the people that work here. Um, I want them to be as cohesive as possible. In other words, I mean, everyone's worked at companies where people didn't get along and, 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 and mm -hmm. uh, people don't like so-and-so over here. That's a terrible, terrible, terrible company culture. And the bigger the company, the more difficult it is to control that. We're like 10 or less people here. Um, I think right now, I think my staff is at seven people. And we all get along very, very, very well. And, and part of the reason why the end consumer or the end user in terms like, you know, like you, Corey, showing fun stuff, uh, it's because we actually take time to do some fun stuff. Can't do it all the time, of mm -hmm. course, but mm -hmm. especially with the creative team, they have to get along well. If they don't get along well, things do not work. Um, yeah. and, and I'm very, very, very particular about my team getting along with each other and having trust 
uh, and respect. Um, and frankly, um, no one wants to slug through work and go, I hate this job. I can't wait till I can find something else. Um, that's a bad place to be. Uh, and, and so I want to make sure that my team never feels that way. Um, I have an open door policy. I mean, everyone says they have an open door policy, but I really, really want my team to tell me uh, if, if they have an issue, because uh, I'll do everything that I can to resolve it um, as quickly as possible. I, I personally, I, I don't like conflict. Uh, and so I try to um, prevent it from happening inside my business as much as possible. Yeah, that's good to hear. I mean, especially, you know, talking about that, the creative team, uh, everybody has different creative processes, I'm sure. And Absolutely. So that can probably cause some conflict there uh, when you're working through uh, different designs or videography or, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, there's probably mm -hmm. some conflict that can happen because of that. But um, glad, glad to hear you. You have that open door <laughs> policy. Anybody can come in and chat about that. The good news, honestly, is that everyone here, um, they have their own niche. Mm -hmm. and they're all very, very good. They're all very, very talented people. I mean, the most talented people I ever have worked with work here, right? And mm -hmm. so, um, and that's that's another reason I'm very lucky is because um, I'm able to do what I do in such a small area, and I'm still able to attract the talent that I need to do this. But um, everyone has their own area of expertise. Now, ultimately, yes, I'm the boss. It's up, up to me at the end of the day. However, I, I really try not to micromanage my team. Uh, is because I, I want to give them uh, a strong sense of validation. I need you. I depend on you. I don't want you to think that I'm just, you know, you're just a number or something to me. And and so when I when I give people their own responsibility and like, okay, hey, you're in charge of this thing, and no one's going to tell you how to do it. Just make sure it's done right at the end of the day. It it that that gives a, a tremendous amount of um, a positive, you know, uh, feedback to that employee when you have authority to make a decision, when you have authority to do something, um, it, it, creativity happens in a lot bigger way. Innovation happens, right? Things that, you know, if you're stifled and you're like, like everyone knows that story about working in a company and like, they don't get any power to do anything. And any idea that they have gets, get slammed down by the, you know, their, their boss or superior above them. No one wants to work that way. Right. Uh, and so that's kind of the environment that I want here is I want people, I want people to grow. And if they grow beyond the walls of this place, good for them. Uh, I'm happy to give them a starting place. I, I will say I, I tend to hire younger people um, because I, I like when people are out of school, I love how driven they are. They're excited. They're hungry. They want to, they want to prove what they can do. They want to learn. Uh, and and I, I just love that idea when they walk through the door, I'm like, Hey, teach me. I just want to learn from you guys. Okay, great. And here we go. Uh, and we work with such a wide variety of clientele and, and services and products really across the country uh, that um, people get thrown into stuff that they had no idea they'd ever be doing <laughs> all the time. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's awesome. I mean, you're giving people stretch opportunities then by doing that uh, and they, them succeeding, it builds confidence. I've had a number of, of really great stretch opportunities in my career um, that have really helped me learn and grow and uh, continue to succeed. So um, love that that environment is there at Synchronous. Thanks, man. Yeah. So you're, you're sitting in uh, the Synchronous headquarters right now, aren't you? I am. I'm actually sitting in my office right now. Awesome. So it's a beautiful brick building. You got exposed um, ductwork in there and uh, I've only been in there once, but it's a really cool place. Can you talk about Thanks, uh, getting into that building and um, just sure. talk about the building and how that helps with your, your business? Sure. Um, I'm going to back up a couple of steps to get you here. Uh, so <laughs> when I started Synchronous, I had left my previous company that I started with my former business partner. Uh, and I had left an established business that had a building that had offices that had a studio that had all this equipment and all this staff and clients. And I, and I walked away from it. And it was probably the most difficult, by far the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life is knowing this is where I need to be. This probably isn't going to get me here and having the discipline to say, okay, this is what I have to do. Uh, and so I literally, when I left, uh, I packed up what equipment was mine, which was a lot. Uh, and I filled my house to the ceiling. I, all of my closets were full. My basement was full. My garage was full to the ceiling with furniture and equipment and you name it. Uh, and and I thought, okay, well, here we go. And when I started Synchronous, it was um, six years ago last October. So actually, we just hit the six-year mark. Um, it was just me in my basement. I did have some staff. 
Um, but we didn't have any place to meet. We didn't have anything going on like that. So I would get up and, and by the way, um, I was like, when I was a kid, I was never a disciplined kind of guy. Okay. I was never like, you know, having, having my day planner and all the tasks, all the goals. I never was a goal oriented. I just kind of rolled with it. Okay. Um, but I knew that if, if I didn't become an extremely goal oriented person, I was just going to like float away. And so I would get up every single morning and I would put on my shirt and tie and I would take my little girl to daycare and drop her off and then come back and sit down in my office with a cup of coffee and get to work. And I didn't even know what work was going to be that day, but I knew I had to do something. And the reason I put the shirt and tie on is because I knew that if I didn't put myself into like work mode, then I was going to like take a nap or watch TV or go have a snack or like, oh, I'll go do it. I'll take care of the work later. Uh-uh. I had to like get to it. Um, and I knew if I didn't do that, that I'd fail. So after about six months, um, again, of trying to like run this business with like some staff and like a bunch of equipment. I mean, it was really crazy trying to like load up a bunch of production gear out of my basement and going off and doing a job and then coming back. And I mean, it was, it was like six months of that crap. So after six months, I found um, a really nice building here in town that used to be um, Century 21. Um, and uh, the owner let me do some uh, some changes to it and kind of break some walls down and make some production spaces and things like that. And we were in that building for about oh, four or five years. And it was, it was at the time, absolutely perfect. Uh, the only downside uh, was that I didn't have the space that we needed to do production. I just really didn't have it. Uh, and so um, out of the blue, the owner that, uh, of the building that, that we're in now approached me and said, hey, are you looking for you know any commercial space? And I said, well, no, I'm in a lease, but sure, I'll take a look. What the heck? And I walk in. For anyone that doesn't know, um, this is located in the space that used to be the old Paul Mitchell School. So in this space, two floors above the Buggy Works restaurant used to be this like hair salon school, right? Uh, and when they left, they, you know, they, they didn't trash it, but it, it was not like pristine looking when I walked through the door and I walk in and I thought, oh my God, I, I really need to consider this place. And I spent a year, a full year debating whether or not I should actually consider doing this. Um, at the end of the day, I, and I'll never, I think it was probably the smartest decision I ever made. The end of the day, I decided to move in here for the single purpose, well, two two purposes. One is we needed the production space. So I guess from a functional level, I could say, okay, yes, we have to do this. But to answer your question, um, I knew that people would take us more seriously if we were in a space that reflected what we did. Um, and you know, we could do the same quality of work, the same amount of work in some dumpy old closet of a building, but no one would ever take us seriously. They'd walk in and so say, oh, okay, whatever. And and that's the thing. Brand is all about perception. So when people walk in here and they see the perception of success, they see the perception of uh professionalism they see quality they see all these things they go oh you're obviously worth the money which is true we're worth the money but this helps to sell it okay um like i said it didn't matter the quality of the work remained the same all we changed was the building but the perception changed yeah absolutely uh right. you know the first time i walked in there i was really impressed uh, i knew you were in that building I, I didn't know what it looked like but um you walk through there and it it's impressive it definitely uh, Thank showcases you. your your business. I'm, so I'm very blessed. Excellent I'm, I'm very blessed to be here. That's awesome. Uh, so you used to have uh, a podcast type video show called The Sync I Up. Did. I did. Uh, can you talk about a little bit about what you used to do with that? Sure. And are, is that ever going to come sure. back? Sure. Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, so when we were in our previous building, uh, we had this um, big bay window that faced the teller line of, of a bank. Okay. And so, uh, I realized at the time synchronous like this was a brand new name. I mean, and you can, it doesn't even phonetically spell properly. Like people don't know, like, why well, do you even pronounce it? They don't know what we do. Okay. And I'm like, well, how do I combat some of that? And so I thought, well, maybe what I'll do is I'll just run like a demo reel of videos, put a video stream, like a TV, right. In the, in this window. And like, maybe I'll just do some reels of the stuff we make. And then people said, gee, I wish I could hear it. Is there anything you can do about that? And I thought, well, maybe I'll get a transformer. So I got this like, uh, you know, FM transmitter thing and plugged it like the same thing that people use in the parking lot of the church now. I got one of those and plugged it into the TV. And so people would pull in, I, I can't, I, this is serious. People would pull into the teller lane and turn on their radio and listen <laughs> to the TV that was playing in the window, okay? Um, 
and that was cool. But then they really didn't understand. Most people don't understand what a marketing firm actually does. And I thought, okay, well, maybe we need to explain to them, like, this is, this is what it is. Okay. Like, you know, all the videography and design at websites, people kind of get all that, but they don't understand what the end goal is, what the end point of doing that is. So um, I started doing this like quick little video thing explaining like what marketing was and how we do it and whatever. Uh, and it had some traction and people, and I had no training in doing any sort of podcasting, anything. I had no interest in it, frankly. It wasn't even something that mm -hmm. I, it occurred to me. People said, oh man, you should really do that some more. People really like it. Like, you're a natural. Like, what are you talking about, man? I'm just blah, blah, blahing in front of a microphone. But they said, do it. So interestingly, the marketing stuff wasn't interesting at all. People, they didn't give a shit, excuse me. They didn't care at all about the marketing stuff. It only became interesting when I did what you're doing and it brought in guests. So I started bringing in guests and talking about whatever was interesting. Like, you know, maybe it was a company and maybe it was a CEO. Maybe it was a leader of some organization. Maybe it was someone that had an interesting talent or craft. I would bring in anyone just to talk to them. And, and God, it, it got so popular. I couldn't believe it to the point where my production staff was so busy doing other productions for clients that we couldn't keep up. Uh, and some, unfortunately that was the first thing that had to go because when we were doing it, like I had like a couple of cameramen, I had an audio engineer, we would like do like, you know, probably a 20 or 30 minute, this is before like we could do this kind of stuff. This didn't really exist, unfortunately, even a few years ago. Um, mm -hmm. and so like my production team would have to get together and like cut all this video together. And we did one every single week. So I was like booking mm -hmm. guests and doing all this. I mean, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. People have no work. idea how difficult it is to do that. Right. Um, and. So to answer your question, I'm, I'm definitely interested in doing it again, maybe at a higher level. Um, I just need to have a much better structure underneath it uh, because it was, it was a lot. Uh, but um, back to my why, right? M my interest is to elevate Greene County. And it starts with people understanding how incredible it is to live here, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's part of my interest here too, uh, with Wisco legacy is to, uh, not only elevate, uh, Wisconsin, that's kind of the big broader goal, but right now I'm trying to build the brand down here in the Monroe green County area. So, uh, we're, we have similar interests in that. Um, yeah. So switching back to synchronous a little bit, uh, what are some of the more, uh, rewarding either parts of your job or any specific projects that, that have been really rewarding to you? Sure. Um, there have been many times when we cut um, a brand video. So just to explain, a brand video is really intended to explain a company, a product or whatever uh, in a way that's really compelling and interesting. Uh, and so we usually pull, we go above and beyond. We pull out all the stops in a brand piece because it's, it's, it's something that requires a lot of planning to do it properly. And there have been many times where we did a brand piece for a client and we sat them down in the front of the conference room and showed them what we made and they cried. Like it's happened many times. Uh, and some of them are intended to be emotional uh, pieces, but, mm -hmm. but uh, that is probably most, the most humbling thing is we've made this thing. You know, the, the point is not what we love. It's, it's what they're going to love or what's going to be right for the client or what, what's going to be right for the customer. Um, but it's also really impactful when we get to make something that is impactful enough that it causes a reaction, like an emotional reaction like that. Um, we um, try to support area organizations as much as we can. And um, there's an organization called Jacob Swag, if you're familiar with it, I'm sure many people yep. are, uh, Suicide Awareness and Prevention. And um, the story of that organization is unbelievable. Uh, you know, this family was beset this tragedy with this young boy committing suicide. And instead of imploding and, and, and you know, falling apart, what they did is they took all that energy and turned it into something positive and frankly, much bigger than, than they are now. I mean, it, it just has turned into this gigantic mm -hmm. thing. So they approach us um, to make an app for them a few years ago. Um, and uh, that that one project has more potential um, to change someone's life than probably anything we've ever done. Um, and the app is intended to help people that are struggling with suicidal thoughts, um, to help ground them, to give them resources that uh, of people that they can talk to at a, a given moment's notice. 
Um, it's, it's, it's really there to be a tool in your pocket that you can rely on all the time if, if you're having terrible thoughts. Um, and uh, at one point, um, I was having a conversation with the founder, Terry Ellison, and I, 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 I asked her when we started construction on the app, I said, well, what, what's your definition of success here? Like what, you know, what's the line in the sand that says, yes, we're successful, no, we weren't. And she said, if one person, well, if only one person uses this and, and makes a different decision, takes a different path, then we've had success. And I thought when she said that, I thought, my God, that's that's the most impactful thing I've probably ever heard in my life. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of the stuff that we do is, is measured in how many units can we sell or how many impressions can we get or whatever. Um, but now we're talking about someone's life here, right? Uh, and that was, um, that's when it got pretty real for me. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you started Synchronous or you started in this, this area, you probably never thought you would be no. impacting people's lives like that. So no, that is, that is no. super impactful. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty committed as you said uh, to the community and I support a lot of service organizations and uh, nonprofits and uh, you know, when I said that money should be a result of something great, that's kind of what I mean is, is that, um, I'm not in it for the money. Yes, I need to make a living. And yes, uh, you know, I want to be able to live comfortably or whatever. Everyone should do that. But that's not my reason for this. My, my reason really is, is to, make, to make Monroe and Greene County the model for the rest of the state or hell, the tri, tri-state area. I mean, I feel that strongly about this area and the people in it um, that I feel like this, this should be the example that people follow. Like, I wish we could be like that community. I wish we could be like that County. Um, and I, you know, I, I can bring my part of the puzzle. You know, there are lots of things that I can't do. I'm not, you know, a major investor or a bank financer. I'm not uh, a major employer where I employ hundreds or thousands of people. Um, I'm not a developer. I don't make homes. I can't do any of that kind of like, this is what we can do. Uh, and we're very blessed that we can do it pretty well. So how can we take our tools and the stuff that we do and like, you know, be a part of that, that bigger puzzle. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Help, help showcase green County and, and right. Monroe. Um, I feel like we have the resources and we have the people to do that. We just need to need to get it in place and uh, yep. keep moving forward. I'm, I'm I right agree. there with you. I agree, man. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, the community involvement a couple different times. What, um, what is the, Kind of importance to you i know it's it's probably twofold it it fills your cup up uh on your personal side to help others and give back to the community it also probably helps business uh with networking and things like that can you just talk about uh a sure. couple of the organizations that you've been involved in and how sure. they've uh they've helped helped along the road. um so uh when i was a kid i had no interest in anything <laughs> As most kids don't, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I I left the area and went and played rock star guy, and um, you know, went to school briefly and, and did this and did that. Um, and it, and when it time when, when the, I should say when the time came to move back to the area, uh, I was I was getting married at the time, and it just seemed like a good place. Uh, and starting this business, I bumped into a colleague of mine. And uh, he said, oh, you're back in town. You got this business going on. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really, you know, I was telling him about what I'm doing and I've got these aspirations and all this stuff I want to do. And he said, well, you should really join a service organization. You should really join a service club. I thought, okay. And then six went, months went by and I didn't think anything of it. And I forgot and didn't care. And I bumped into it again. He's like, well, did you, join, did you join a service club? I was like, no. He's like, okay, i tell you what. You're going to join the Optimist. I'm going to sponsor you and I'm going to buy a breakfast on Thursday. (laughs) Well, okay, I guess I'll show up and I'll, I'll join the Optimist. Fine. And I, so I show up to this Optimist meeting, right? And I I didn't get service clubs at the time. I never really understood any of that stuff. Uh, And I show up and like half of the room knows me and I was like, oh, hey, so-and-so, hey, what's up, buddy? I haven't seen you a long time. And everyone's shaking my hand and I thought, wow, well, this is pretty remarkable. And then I sit through a meeting and I get to understand what the club does and, 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 what's their mission? What's their purpose? Um, you know, what are their regular activities looking like? And I thought, man, I, I could get behind this for sure. Um, and one thing led to another. Um, I ended up, you know, joining the board and being president and doing all these other things. Uh, and it was so fulfilling that I started doing it in other groups as well. I ended up joining the Kiwanis in very similar mission, only a different way of doing it. Um, but the point of these clubs is essentially to do whatever they do to raise money for kids and then 
give that money out to kids. So it's, you know, it's supporting youth programs and, and YMCA and the Mac Center and all these, these different organizations uh, that have youth uh, focused programs. Uh, and I, I thought it was so impactful. I kept going. So I, I joined other boards and I, I, I started leading other organizations. Uh, and, and it, I'll be honest, it's probably the most fulfilling thing I've ever done um, as far as shaking hands and um, being a part of something greater than yourself. And that's that's really what it breaks down to is is like you're, you're joining something that is greater than you. OK, mm-hmm. you're a part of something that has a bigger mission that you could do on your own. Uh, and that was very appealing to me. Uh, and, and frankly, the people in those groups and I don't mean to exclude people that aren't in those groups, but I will say the people in those groups make things happen in this community. If you notice those are those are the, the the ten or twenty percenters that you see volunteering all over the place. They're the ones going to churches. Those are the ones like making things happen in boards and organizations and nonprofits in this area. And again, when I say you know Monroe and Monroe and Green County should be an example, that's what I'm talking about. It's you have these people that have these tremendous talents and are committed to making it a better place, man. And that's that's pretty cool, even for like a small little farmer town, right? Yep. Right. I I had the same kind of experience in college. I was a president of a student organization called Rotaract. Uh, It's the college version of Rotary. So we did a lot of volunteering community service and uh, it was twofold for me. So we did a lot of, a lot of um, volunteering at food pantries and and that sort of thing. And then we were also connected to the downtown Madison Rotary club, which at the time was the fifth largest in the entire world. Uh, so I was able to meet a ton of uh, CEOs and, and executives yeah. around Madison. And- Rotary is primarily a business community or a business organization, right? Yeah, uh, but okay. they do. They are um, committed to community service, too. Um, yeah. their, their biggest mission is to end polio. Uh, so there's um, a lot of wow. volunteer and community work involved in that. But yeah, it, it's primarily around businesses and whatnot. Uh, I think Monroe actually had a Rotary Club club that went under like in the, maybe the 80s or something, or 80s or 90s. I think Is that you're familiar? Right. Yeah. yeah, there was one that, that, that here, does but sound I, familiar. I hate seeing clubs go under like that. It's really mm-hmm. too bad. Um, there was a JCS I think at one point too, and and unfortunately mm-hmm. people don't join like they used to, and that's the other reason why I'm com- committed to joining the, and serving these organizations because I I'm tired of people not volunteering. It it drives me crazy that people don't want to join stuff anymore. They don't want baloney, man. If you're gonna live here. You got to pitch in. That's how it is, and so that's mm-hmm. yeah. probably why that my <laughs> a lot of my commitment is to make sure that these things don't die. <laughs> uh, what's the best advice you've ever received, whether it's business, you know, personal? What's a, what's the best advice you ever ever received? It's hard to say because, as I mentioned earlier, I've had a lot of people that have put their arm on my shoulder over the years that really helped me do this. But uh, a great piece actually came uh, as. Um, it's, it's kind of a story or kind of a, a metaphor and it goes like this. Um, so when a sword maker or a metallurgist uh, is making a sword or forging some sort of metal, right? What they do is they heat that sword up and they take that sword and they just pound the hell out of it and then they quench it. And then they do that process over and over and over again as it's called tempering, right? And when you do that, every time you do it, that sword becomes harder and harder and harder to the point where it's almost unbreakable. And so when anyone is going through life, I mean, all of us, as we walk through life, we're going to run into challenges unless we're, you know, in our bedroom with our, you know, ears plugged and eyes closed or something like that. If we're actually putting ourselves out there to do something, we're going to meet challenges in many cases, huge challenges. And that metaphor was given to me because, um, Going through those challenges is like tempering the sword. The more time you go through that stuff and the more time you overcome it, hence the quenching, the more time you overcome that stuff, the stronger you get. And and I've carried that with me the whole time. This is now 15 to 20 years I've considered that because every time I thought about throwing the towel in, every time it got really difficult, every time I thought, oh God, can I even endure any more of this? I think, wait a second though. The more you endure, the more you can take. So that is probably the single most, uh, single strongest piece of advice I've ever gotten is the tempering that's, of the sword. Yeah, that's really awesome advice. Uh, I'm going to flip this over. Uh, okay. If you, you know, you're obviously very passionate about what you do. You're passionate about the community as well. Uh, what advice would you give someone who's, uh, 
who's maybe contemplating starting their own business or, or really pursuing a passion for them? What advice would you give? Find people that can help you. That's it. Um, because I'm the guy without the business cards. Okay. <laughs> I'm the guy without the logo and the sign in the window. I, I had no idea. Uh, and it, and I kind of thought that, but if I hadn't had help from other people, no way. And, and even mm-hmm. the most successful people in the world, if you think about them, they are surrounded by others that are helping them. Uh, and that's, mm-hmm. that's really what society is all about, honestly. And so, um, find others that will support you that, uh, have a vested interest in your success and ones that have the experience you need to help you make the decisions that are going to keep you successful in life, especially that's when you want to throw in the towel. Yeah. yeah, for sure. That's really great advice. You know, I should probably lean into that a bit more with this thing. I've built, built all this from the ground up, built my website, designed my logo, um, Wow, good doing for all you. The editing and production by myself. Yeah, so you're way and, ahead of me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I've had I've had some I've learned some of this stuff in in my day job too. But uh, yeah, I, that's that's really great advice to lean into. Awesome. All right, uh, rapid. I have some rapid fire questions around the state of Wisconsin. Then I sure. have a final question to wrap up with you. Okay. Okay. Cool. All right. Uh, first rapid fire question: What is your favorite restaurant in Wisconsin? Samba, in Madison downtown. Nice. Hands down. Nice. That's eating is obscene when you walk into that place. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been there, so I, I better add that to the list. You absolutely have to add that to your list, man. Yeah, it'll change you. Awesome. You'll be a different person. It'll be before <laughs> Samba and then after Samba, okay? I'll I'll even buy you dinner just for this podcast, okay? Let's go. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's your favorite event in Wisconsin? Oh, my God. <laughs> my favorite event? I'm gonna have to say cheese days, man. That's uh, I don't, I can't think of one that brings people together like cheese days in in a way that's as epic as that. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we get a hundred thousand plus people in town for that weekend, and, and it's just and like a high school reunion. It. It's and... so unbelievable. It, uh-huh. I actually find it difficult to get through my weekend because I'm exhausted at just like I see some like, hey man, how's it going? And then like the very second I've addressed that person, there's someone else that uh-huh. I care as much about that I want to talk to. And it's just, it's exhausting to have that many conversations with people over that weekend. I mean, it's just, it's on, and, and everyone has that same experience, man. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter if you're young or old. It doesn't matter. It's, it's just crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. All right. What's your, what's your favorite place to hang out in Wisconsin? I'm going to have to say the Northwoods. Um, uh, three lakes, Eagle River, excuse me, Eagle River. Um, the, there's just something so special about that place. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Last question. It's kind of twofold for you. Um, when all is said and done, what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind and what kind of legacy do you want synchronous to have? Um, I want my work to have meaning. I want my work to have impact upon people that I've never even met before. Um, and to me, that's what legacy is all about. When people say, oh, I want a legacy, I want to have lots of money or a big house or whatever, none of that shit matters in life. Um, the only thing that really matters is how you can help other people and impact them in a positive way. Um, and, and that is ultimately my goal is it, it, for me and for my firm uh, is, is to impact Monroe and Green County for many, many, many years to come in ways that I won't probably even imagine. Uh, it's funny, you... you you mentioned uh, legacy. I just read this recently. And I thought it was great. Um, a really good definition of legacy is planting a tree that you know you'll never see. Hmm. Ever heard that before? I haven't. No. Yeah, and it and it, that's so great because it's not about you, right? It's about the tree. It's about this mm-hmm. thing that that you might not even see happen. Uh, and and so uh, I don't even need my name attached to something that I've done. I don't even care about that. It's it's that. I, the work that I do has an impact that I might never see. Mm-hmm. That's, that's an awesome legacy to to strive for. And you're living that right now. You know, I just recently met you uh, probably about a month ago or so uh, through some of the work that you do. And uh, I knew who, I knew who you were of you uh, because of all your community involvement. And uh, I've known about synchronous for quite a while. And just in, in briefly knowing you, I know you're, you're striving there and you're getting there. So 
that's that's really awesome. Thanks, Corey. That means a lot, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. So lastly, how can uh, us in Greene County and Monroe, how can we support you? How can we follow you? Uh, how can you follow me? You follow me on social media. No, just kidding. Is that what you mean? Both, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. Um, on a professional level, um, if you're an executive or if you're a business owner um, and, and you need help communicating, that's our job. Um, so if it's, I, I need to figure out a way to sell this product or if I need to make it, you know, have a nice slick and glossy polish on it, or if I just don't know, I mean, frankly, I've done a lot of, um, business consulting as well on that level. I'm not, I'm not an operations guy, uh, and I'm not a finance guy, but as far as things like company culture, brand, uh, and communication, that's, that's kind of our niche. Uh, and, and so, uh, yeah, if, if folks need help with any of the things that we do here, call me, I will help you. And if I can't help you, I will find someone that can. Um, and there was a second part of that question. What was it? Uh, it was just how, how can we support you and how can we follow you? So, okay, great. Yeah. Okay, uh, cool. All yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, the other thing Where is join things. I want people in this community, in this area to join things. I want them, I, I want them to find the leader in themselves to push this place to be a better place. That's what I want. Yeah. Awesome. You're, you're getting me fired up here. I'm ready to, <laughs> ready to get out there and join some boards and start making more of a difference. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Patrick, uh, this was a really great conversation. Uh, thanks, thanks for joining Wisco Legacy. My pleasure. My pleasure. Um,